Welcome to the Human Capital Innovations Podcast, your go-to source for personal, professional, and organizational growth and development. We hope you tune in often for all things people management, organizational development and change, organizational leadership, and social impact related. Maximize your personal and organizational potential with Human Capital Innovations Podcast. Welcome to the Human Capital Innovations Podcast. In this HCI podcast episode, I talk with Nilu Kaur about bringing mindfulness and stress management practices to individuals, teams, and organizations. Lucor, welcome to the Human Capital Innovations Podcast. Thank you. I'm so happy to be here. Yeah, I'm super excited to have a nice conversation with you today. We're going to be focusing on bringing mindfulness and stress management practices to individuals, teams, and organizations. And I think there's never been a more important time uh, than this COVID moment. We've been in the midst of this for 14, 15 months now. We're hopefully starting to come out of it, but there's been a lot of stress, a lot of anxiety, lots of challenges and struggles that people have faced over this last year. And certainly within our personal lives, we've been, we've needed to be able to deal with that, but it also goes into the organization and we can't just separate our personal lives from our organizational life and our work life. Uh, So we need to find ways as leaders to help our people to manage their stress, to be able to tap into mindfulness practices Uh, And ultimately, that will help them, of course, but that will also help our teams that will help our organizations thrive and be more productive. As we get started, I wanted to share Nilu's bio with everybody. Nilu Kaur is a corporate facilitator, leadership and NLP coach, and stress management specialist. She holds a BS from NYU Stern School of Business, an MA in social and organizational psychology from Columbia University, and is a certified NLP master practitioner and coach from the NLP Center of New York. Nilu is a 15, has 15 years of experience specializing in adult learning and leadership development in large organizations range, ranging from financial services consulting to the tech industry. She is a certified yoga instructor and an Ericksonian trained hypnotherapist focused on bringing mindfulness and stress management practices to individuals, teams, and organizations. Uh, what a wonderful background, uh, a skill set that's very much needed in the organizations of today. Uh, before we launch on into the conversation, anything else about yourself that you would like to share with listeners by way of background or personal context? No, I think that's a pretty thorough bio. So we can just talk and then perhaps I can shed more light as we move further in our conversation. Okay, great. Well, so let's start with the general idea of mindfulness. Now, again, mm-hmm. um, we, we're all dealing with lots. Uh, that's not new. People you know, life is messy, people have their struggles, everything, everyone's dealing with stuff. But I, I think this last year has been uh, particularly challenging for probably most people. Um, let's start with mindfulness. Uh, we've talked about it before on the podcast, but I would love to hear your, your approach, your definition to mindfulness, why it's important, what some of the benefits are, and then we can start to talk about how we can apply that within a workplace setting. Perfect. Yeah. You know, it's interesting. I think the word has been thrown around so much. It's like, oh, you know, I know I need to be mindful about this. I need to be mindful about that. But I actually think 
it's so simple and yet we don't know how to practice it. So I define it as, as a way to get back to the present moment, because what happens is we're typically catastrophizing about future possible future events, or we are ruminating about things that have happened in the past. And so mindfulness practice, whether it's through your breath or whether it's through your senses is literally just getting into the present moment. And I think the reason that's so important right now is because we've been virtual for over well over a year and we have so much going on in our backgrounds and we're distracted and we're trying to work and we're trying to be productive. And we have all of these things going on with health in our families. And so being mindful or, or, or having a mindfulness practice, I think is super important, even if it's just two minutes or five minutes a day. And yeah, I think and ideally, oh, sorry to cut you off. No, no, that's great. And so you, you mentioned, I mean, it really doesn't need to take a long time, two to five minutes a day. Um, it literally can be 30 seconds of breath work in between stressful meetings, right? I mean, there, you can take little bits of time, um, either, you know, really scattered throughout the day that can really help to recenter you and pull you back into the present moment. Like you said, I think that's wonderful. What are some of those types of things, um, that you do or that you, um, you talk about with people you coach mm-hmm. or do consulting with? Yeah. So I, I do a lot of group facilitation. So I have a series called stretch your wellbeing and each workshop is, you know, all about managing your distractions, what to do in the evening, what you can do for your daily routines. And it's all, it comes from Ayurveda, which is a holistic healing system based in India, but these things that we can start to do daily that help us be more mindful. And so one of the things I recommend doing is adding buffers between your meetings. I mean, it's so simple and yet we don't do it because we're on Zoom or whatever platform we're using. It's like we just schedule back to back to back and there's absolutely no time to reset. And I see you smiling. So I think you can resonate with that. <laughs> you know, I absolutely can. I, yeah, it, it was not great before the pandemic, but it seems like now everyone's so quick to schedule virtual meetings and I've had days where I've literally had like eight hours straight of back to back to back to back to back meetings. And it's, I mean, it's, it's crazy, right? Yeah. And some organizations actually have a like cutoff. So if, if it's a 45 minute, if it's an hour meeting, they, it's only 45 minutes. So you have 15 minutes and some organizations are actually making this like a mandate, right? So there's yeah, different things great. that are, yeah, there are different things that are going on in different companies that are really taking into consideration that there's no time to reset and there's no time for downtime between your meetings. And so downtime is when you're sort of introspective, when you can strategize, when you can think about the next thing. And if we go back to back to back, we just can't do that. So it's like, that's one really easy tip is just to have a buffer between your meetings. Yeah. And the other can I, thing can that, I just comment on that too oh, of real course, quick? Please. I mean, so clearly from a mindfulness perspective and a stress management perspective, I think having those gaps is really important, but you also just mentioned, and I think it's worth highlighting that from a strategic perspective, it, I mean, if you're going from back to back to back meetings all day, there's no way that's going to be productive. There, there's no way you're going to actually be able to process everything that's happening in all those meetings all day long. And so what you end up doing is going through the motions and you're just there you know, to say that you were there, but you're probably not contributing meaningfully in all those meetings, or you're not learning or listening intently or getting everything out of those meetings that you could or should. You're certainly not strategizing because you just have no time to process or to to deal with the information. It really is not a good idea. Um, and right. so, so I love, I love that, as you mentioned, that organizations should be proactive about that. Um, not even just from a mindfulness standpoint, in a mental health standpoint for your mm-hmm. people, but just a pure productivity um, standpoint. I mean, goodness, like limit the number of meetings, 
provide gaps in those meetings. I think that's wonderful. And also like ask yourself, do I need to be in this meeting? Like that's the first and foremost, because there's meetings just for the sake of meetings. You know, I work for myself, so I'm very careful as to the meetings I schedule, but I still see things pop up on my calendar that I accepted months ago. And I'm like, why am I in this meeting? So it's like, really the first question is, do I really need to be here? Am I going to be productive? Am I going to be Am I going to offer anything? Because if, if you're not, then there's no point in spending your time and wasting the time of other people. So I think the first question is really to do like an audit of your calendar and say, do I actually need to be in these meetings? And if you do, make sure you have time to actually process the information so that you can add value. Otherwise, you're just going like a robot in autopilot from meeting to meeting. Yeah. And I mean, this, this episode isn't about meetings, so we can can get back to to mindfulness and stress management here in a moment, but I will say one more thing about meetings before we we shift back. And that is for those people who are scheduling meetings, please. I mean, like you said, if, if I am the one accepting those invitations, you know, I need to be aware and sometimes even push back and say, no, I really don't need to be at that meeting or have someone else on my team go to the meeting in my place or whatever. But the people scheduling meetings need to think about that too. Uh, Who really needs to be there? And I think we were a little bit more aware of that question before the pandemic, but now that we just have all these virtual meetings, people are like, ah, it doesn't matter. Like we don't, we don't have physical space constraints. And so I've been in meetings where literally there's like a hundred people where previously, you know, you'd have a small group of maybe 15 around mm-hmm. a table. And now we just have all these people in this virtual meeting and it's really rather silly. And so just don't send out invitations to people that don't really need to be there um, where it's not going to be beneficial to them or to the purpose of the meeting. Uh, and then of course, so many other things we could talk about meetings that are either ineffective or, you know, to try to yeah, you know, it's but, interesting. I know we, we want to get into stress management and mindfulness, but meetings take up so much, so much of our day that I think it's such a focus. So I have one last comment about meetings. I love this. I heard this before. I think it's Amazon. So they say that if you, you only want the number of people in a meeting that, that could eat a large pizza pie. So five to seven people is if we're, if you're brainstorming, if you're actually trying to strategize yeah. and do anything, because if you have more than that many people, you're not really going to get your voice heard and there's going to be, you know, it's not really a productive meeting. So to, to ask yourself what type of meeting and then how many people actually need to be there and who are the key stakeholders that actually need to be in that meeting. Yeah. Yeah. I love it. Great, great tips. Yeah. Okay. So, so clearly taking some, having some gaps throughout your day um, to be able to reset, uh, to be able to refocus, recenter, do a little bit of strategizing. Uh, I think all of that's really important. Mm-hmm. Other, other thoughts on yeah. approaches to, to getting back to the moment. Yeah. I think one of the other pieces that's been really challenging for people is it's a concept. It's very well researched. It's called fit for purpose. And it's actually sounds more complicated than it is, but essentially each space of your home is fit for a purpose. So what's happening is if you work in your office area and then you take your laptop over to your living room and then you take your laptop to your bedroom, like you're going to be working till two and three in the morning. And I think the beginning of the pandemic, no one knew what to do and how long it was going to last. But now we're seeing that like we're working longer than we ever worked. We're not commuting. So we're adding that time in front of the screen. So it's like fit for purpose is that each place in your home is fit for purpose. Like, so your living room is for relaxing, your workout areas for working out, eating. And also if your school, if your children are homeschooled, like making sure that there's boundaries, not just for yourself, but for your, for your family as well. So that when you are spending time together, you have a space in your home that's designated for that. 
Yeah, yeah, I, I love that. I think that's fantastic. So as we're going about trying to reconnect to the moment and recentering ourselves and practicing, you know, uh, deep breathing and self-reflection and other sorts of mindfulness practices. Uh, you were joking before we started re- recording for anyone watching the video, you can see my t-shirt. Um, for those of you just listening, you can't, but it, it says, I'm just here to pet my dogs, uh, to pet the dogs. So yeah, everyone who listens to this podcast consistently, you know, I have dogs, I have two beautiful dogs. I take them on multiple walks a day. Uh, it's as much for them as it is for me, right? Because that's my opportunity in a, in a short period of time, get outside, um, enjoy the fresh air, enjoy mm. the time with my pets, um, and just clear my mind and get back into the moment, uh, regardless of whatever frustrations or challenges I've been facing that day. Uh, that's wonderful. And it makes me a better dad. It makes me a better husband. It makes me a better boss. Um, and ultimately, you know, I'm just, I'm more emotionally centered when I do simple things like that. Uh, it doesn't take tons of time, but it, it makes a big, big difference. And I'm more productive because of it. Yeah, I love that. And I don't, I love dogs. I don't have a dog. I wish I did. But I think even if you don't have pets and you don't have to take a walk every day, it's really important to to break the routine of what you're doing and actually take a walk outside, get some fresh air. Since we're not, you know, before I think people would maybe walk from building to building when they're having different meetings or they're meeting different, you know, they're meeting different colleagues or different clients. And so you're, you're out and about, but we, we really haven't been, we haven't been able to do that. And so it's like adding that component of mobility and movement in your day is super important as well for managing stress. I'm excited to announce the publication of my new book from HCI Press, The Alchemy of Truly Remarkable Leadership, Ordinary Everyday Actions That Produce Extraordinary Results. Consider how the nature of work has shifted over the past 50 years. With increased globalization, rapid technological advancement, and the shift in economic composition, the average job of today looks very different than the average job of 50 years ago. What will the jobs and organizations of tomorrow look like? Moreover, what does this all mean for organizational leaders? What are the core competencies and capabilities of organizations and their leadership that are prepared for continued disruption and geopolitical and socioeconomic shifts? Regardless of what the future holds, increasingly, leaders need to be socially minded, data-driven, decisive, champions of talent, and disruptors of the traditional notions of leadership, teams, organizations, and work. The Alchemy of Truly Remarkable Leadership will help you to explore your own leadership competencies and capabilities and consider ways to apply and implement them into your workplace and personal life. So let's shift a little bit now and talk a little bit more explicitly about stress management within the workplace. Mm -hmm. So as leaders, you know, there's many things I need to be worried about and I need to pay attention to. Um, but I hope all leaders are, are paying attention to the mental and emotional health of their people. Um, if for no other reason, even if you're just a, a cold hearted boss and you don't really care about individuals on your teams, I am sure that doesn't apply to anyone listening, but even if that were the case, there's still a clear business case for stress management and making sure that people, um, can deal with those things effectively. 
it, it reduces absenteeism and turnover and all those related costs. It, it gets people, people are more creative and innovative. They more are more collaborative uh, performance, all sorts of performance metrics go up uh, when we deal with those types of things in the workplace. And then of course there is the, the human case as well as the business case. The human case of course is we need to treat our people with dignity and respect and we need to treat them as a whole person. And if they're hurting or they're struggling, you know, one of the roles as a boss, as a leader is I need to help support them um, to, to be their whole authentic self in the workplace. Um, so hopefully anyone listening, you know, you'll, you'll be thinking about what you currently do, what you could be doing to help support your people. Um, Neelu, any specific mm. uh, tips that you have for listeners about how they can go about um, helping their people to deal with the stresses, the anxieties, the challenges and struggles that we all face in the workplace? Yeah. I mean, I have so many thoughts about this, but the first is like, if you are not doing this for yourself, if you're not mentally well, and you're not bringing your full self to work, then you're not going to be a good role model or, and we model the behavior that we see at the tone at the top. I mean, it just kind of is part of the culture of an organization. So, you know, eating well, sleeping well, movement, like all of that, if you're not doing that as a leader for yourself, and then you're trying to open up a space for your employees to do that, it's, it's not going to happen. There's an incongruency or a disconnect if you're not practicing what you what you want your, your people to do. So that's first and foremost is like taking can care I just, of yourself. Can yeah. I add to that? Yeah, please. It doesn't really matter what you say. If you're doing something different, that behavior and what you're modeling is what your people are predominantly going to do, Right. So right. you, can, you can say all the right things, but you better do it also, or, you know, it's still going to lead to burnout. It's still going to lead to all the different strains that people face. Right. And even if you, if you are, you're saying something different, so people might be leading a healthy lifestyle, but they're losing trust in you as an, as a leader, because you're not practicing what you're preaching. Right. So there's this inauthentic piece, if there's incongruency about what you're saying and what you're actually doing. So really important to like, you know, manage your own sleep manage your own stress as best as you can. And then that sort of sets the stage for success for your people. Yes, absolutely. And I'm sorry, I was cutting you off. You're about to go on to another uh, idea on how to help your people manage stress. You know, one of the things that I think is, is happening is we assume business as usual. Like if no one comes to you and is complaining or no one says like, hey, I'm really struggling, you just assume everyone's okay. So I think right now, especially again, since we've been virtual for over a year, it's like to have more frequent check-ins to maybe do something different. So, you know, there, in the beginning of the pandemic, there was these like happy hour Zoom meetings, like maybe that's not it, right? Maybe there's something else you can do that's a more connecting sort of psychologically safe activity with all of your people or have your, you know, people managers do that with their people. But ultimately it's like a constant regular reach out to actually ask, how are you doing? Because I think people assume, leaders assume, like if they're not hearing anything, then everyone's just fine. Yeah, and proactively asking that question repeatedly. Um, and to your point, at the beginning of the pandemic, last March, last April, I saw leaders, I was really quite impressed actually, that leaders seemed extra willing to slow down, step back, check in with their people, see how they're doing, try to provide even more than, you know, maybe they had done before, try to provide more emotional support Mm -hmm. and just to help everyone know that, Hey, we're in this together. This is a challenge for everyone. We're going to get through this. And then as time went on, uh, some, some leaders continue to do those things, but many just kind of started again, like you said, get, you know, it's, it's, it's life as normal, getting back to, um, 
just your day to day and forgetting that we still need these check-ins. And in fact, as, as the, the pandemic progressed, I think those challenges started to pile up and build up and, and pandemic fatigue is a very real thing. I mean, people, people were dealing with it. Um, my kids are all now back in school in person, but they were, I have six children who are all doing school at home uh, for what, eight months, something like that. And that's a huge load. I, you know, trying to do your work and my wife works. And so we're juggling our work from home with helping our kids do their school and everything else that goes on with life. Um, you know, those are the types of things we just have to regularly check in and mm-hmm. it shouldn't, it shouldn't take a pandemic to get us to do it. But, um, but hopefully this maybe was a wake up call to the, the necessity of, of, uh, empathy and caring, genuine caring, uh, for our people and how important that is. Yeah. And I think there's so many components in that, in what you just said. And even like before the pandemic, I know a lot of leaders I worked with in different organizations, they were very much like, I need to see you in order to believe that you're working. Right. And so that model has long gone. Right. So it's like, you know, if you, if you come from the mentality of, I need to see you in order to believe you, then that's what you're, that's what you're emanating in your organization. So it's like, how do you then now trust your people when they are virtual? Like there's so many more components to what you said. And it just jogged my memory of like this aspect of, we have to reestablish trust because we can't see each other. Right. And so, and sometimes in most organizations, they're so screen fatigued and zoom fatigued that they don't turn their videos on. So there's even more of this exacerbated component of like, Hey, I don't see you. So how do I actually trust you? Right. And so then there's the stress about, is this person actually working? Uh, You know, if they logged off at 5 PM, what are they doing? Right. Like as a leader, you want to be mindful that there's a hundred million things going on in that person's life. So they might, they might log on at 7 PM and, and finish what they need to finish, but a little more flexibility is really important for leaders to have. Yeah, I I was uh, doing a coaching session with a CEO last week, and uh, that that actually that exact point came up. He was talking about his his weekly team meetings, and he and how he's just frustrated because over time he's seen more and more people turning off their videos mm-hmm. um, and trying to understand why that would be the case and what he can do about it because he wants everyone to have their videos on. And so we talked through some of those issues that you just mentioned. Um, and, and part of it was just asking him the question, why do you need them to have their videos on? I mean, I, I'm a believer, like if, if we're not in person, I would love to have everyone have their videos on as much as possible because we can interact a little bit more. But there are reasons why people uh, decide to turn their videos off in meetings. And, uh, and so we need to be aware of those. We need to be asking ourselves about the, the regular cadence of the meetings that we're having, um, you know, who, who is included in those meetings, things that we talked about earlier in our conversation today. Um, but just to reiterate your point, I, it really is a pressing challenge that I think uh, many leaders are facing. And this, this idea of FaceTime in the physical office uh, versus FaceTime in a virtual world and how that intersects with the trust of your people and the empowerment of your people and micromanaging versus autonomy. I mean, these are all really important conversations. And ultimately, you know, I, I, I say this again and again and again to leaders, to my students, to, to listeners on this podcast. It's, it's not really about the amount of time that you spend doing your work. Uh, it's, it's really not, it doesn't matter when you do your work. It's not about how long you do your work. It's not even really about how you do your work. It's just about what you're able to produce. And right. if, if you're productive and you're, you're 
creative and you're accomplishing everything and more that your boss wants you to do, who cares um, how you're doing it? Who cares if you have your camera on? Who cares if you're doing it at two in the morning or 10 at night or, Mm -hmm. you know, two in the afternoon? Um, and, and, And so we just need to, we need to loosen up a little bit. I think we need to let go of, of the control a little bit, trust in our people a little bit more. And I understand that can be a challenge, especially if you feel like you've been burned by mm. employees in the past. Uh, but I think that's something we constantly have to be um, striving for as leaders uh, to, to develop that mutual accountability and trust with our people. And that, that in and of itself can go a long way in reducing the stress and anxiety that our people feel. Yeah. And I think, you know, to get really creative. So as a leader, if people are not, well, ideally, if you have your video on and you ask others to have their videos on, chances are that your team will turn their videos on, but let's say they're not turning their videos on and it's repetitive. You, you might want to get a little creative about the way in which you connect with your people. So that could look like, Hey, let's all take a walk together. So just dial in via phone and let's all take a walk together. This is a brainstorming session. So there's, there's other ways that you can connect and check in with your people. And I think we need to, yes, it's great to have video, but we've, we were also fatigued from it as well. So getting a little creative on the way you connect with your people is something to start considering. Yeah. Yeah. I I think that's wonderful. Well, this has been a very fascinating conversation. We've really only just scratched the (laughs) surface Um, I really appreciate all of your insights and all of your tips and perhaps I can have you back on another time so we can continue uh, to explore this together. Uh, Before we close today, I wanted to give you a chance to share with listeners how they can get connected with you, find out more about your work um, in the work that you do with organizations, and then give us the final word on the topic for today. Sure, sure. So you can find me on my website, nilucore.com. And on LinkedIn, I'm very active. That's my most active platform and also Instagram. And it's all under my name, Neelu Kaur. And let's see, what was your other question? Oh, my work with organizations. So yeah, if you look at my website, you can see the organizations I work with and then we can you know, connect and, and I can share some of the work that I've been doing with individuals and teams. And my final thoughts on stress management and mindfulness is that whether you're a leader of an organization or you're the leader of your home and your family, if you're not present, no one around you is going to be. So you want to model the behavior. And I think that's really important. Well said. I I think that's perfect. Great insight. I encourage listeners to reach out, get connected with Nilu, find out more about what she can do for you and your organization. And as always, I hope everyone can stay healthy and safe, that you can find meaning and purpose at work each and every day. And I hope you all have a great week. We are excited about the launch of HCI's new magazine, Human Capital Leadership. Human Capital Leadership is a free interactive e-magazine designed to help individuals, leaders, and organizations find innovative approaches to maximize their human capital potential. We will be publishing issues quarterly in August, November, February, and May. Check out the first issue and let us know what you think. Thanks again for joining us for this episode of the Human Capital Innovations Podcast. I hope you stay healthy and safe and that you have a great week.
Check out our new weekly LinkedIn newsletter, Alchemizing Human Capital, exploring industry trends via original research and interviews with executives and thought leaders from across the globe. We look forward to having you join us.